The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Now our next guest has certainly packed an awful lot into her life so far. She has written her book Believing in Me. Deborah Summer, and thank you very much for being with us. And we'll get into your backstory in a minute about being homeless at the age of 13, pregnant at the age of 14, then going on and getting your degree. But I am very interested in the idea that you have for student accommodation for families, something you devoted time to, because we're hearing an awful lot about students at the moment desperately trying to find somewhere to live. But what about those students, and there are quite a few of them, who have children themselves. Yeah, and there are thousands of them, right? Um, I think if you think about the fact that middle-class families are struggling to send their children to college and that students are struggling in that situation, think about people who are literally classed as being in poverty um, and there's incredible programs out there like the access program which work with kids in these disadvantaged schools I was one of them to encourage them to go to university because in a lot of these communities it's the first generation of someone going to college right and when you look at the history of Ireland in terms of people not always necessarily being able to have an education it being not necessarily affordable before free education you understand where that comes from so when you try and motivate people in this way, particularly for the students who have children or are coming out of care, they can't just move into student accommodation. First of all, they can't necessarily afford to move into student accommodation. Second of all, it's not suitable for them in the summer because they have to move out and then it's a lottery if they get somewhere else. They don't have a home to go back to. So what you, in order to make this sustainable for people, especially what, what we know in terms of hap, hap rates not being appropriate to cover rent allowance um, or cover cover rental amounts you see that there are huge issues there for someone who is a single mom or is coming out of state care who wants to be able to stand on their own two feet doesn't want to sit on social welfare doesn't want to have a low paid job is determined to get an education but doesn't necessarily have the resources and has these two barriers around education and childcare. so that's why I started Empower the Family and the week I actually started it or I suppose one of the weeks I met with Dublin City Council over this I met with their former head of housing at the time um, who was Brendan Kenny and I'm working with the uh, new head of housing who is Colleen O'Reilly but Brendan Kenny that week the week before he'd met with me had actually visited a single mom living in homeless accommodation who was in university and that story is not unusual so it's about trying to help people to stay in college and creating a sustainable solution And how are you getting on with that? Have you been able to find a place yet? Yeah so we've been working with DCC um, to acquire a site in Ballymun our next step is to vote get a vote in front of the councillors, the Dublin City councillors, for that site to be disposed to us. We have our planning permission pack all ready to go. Um, 3D uh, visualisations of the building are on the website, everything. And what it will be for this first location will be 20 apartments for single parents, so two bedrooms each, then 14 apartments for people coming out of state care, a creche and a community centre. And it's again about, obviously, in that area, wanting to help expand the services that are there, um, but then also wanting to put all of those things that people need in terms of childcare in one di- one because your own experience was that when you were coming out of care and wanted to go to college, how did you manage to do it and particularly having a young child? Well, quite funnily at the time, um, it wasn't actually 
okay for me to go to college. So at the time, you couldn't get rent allowance if you were in education. You could if you were on the back to education allowance. But I wasn't going back to education, unfortunately. So I went to the social welfare office. So you wanted to go straight from leaving cert into college? Into college. So when I went to the social welfare office, they said that's a problem. So you actually have to wait a few years, stay on the doll for a few years, and then you can apply for this. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. I could be a taxpayer in a few years. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Or you might even lose your enthusiasm or drive if you had that gap. Well, this is it. Once you start earning money, right, it's really hard to not be used to earning money. So for me, that was really ridiculous and I wasn't really willing to accept that. So I put together a bit of a lobbying team and people at One Family, people at Focus Ireland, the Teen Parent Support Programme, the people who were in my care home. And we wrote letters to the CEO of Tusla, what was the HSE uh, at the time, um, CEO and the CFO and everyone and just begged begged for support because I'd gotten that far after going through so much I'd gotten through my leaving search and I really really wanted to be able to do this so I could stand on my own two feet so thankfully it worked and I got the funding that I needed in order to um, get accommodation in childcare but everyone's not that lucky when I talk to young people and care advocates they're like I've never heard of someone actually getting that amount of money out of aftercare. What degree did you do and where? I did accounting and finance in DC, which was my first choice. And then I did a master's afterwards, which was luckily sponsored by CRH. Um, yeah. And you qualified as an accountant I after qualified that. as a chartered accountant. Um, I went over to work in PwC. I worked in their audit and um, their audit banking and aircraft leasing department. Then I moved into people consulting and now I work in Ernest & Young and I'm a manager there. OK, you've done very, very well. <laughs> Having come to Ireland, at what age? Um, I moved to Ireland when I was 10. Okay, and it was very difficult family circumstances as well, because your mother, who unfortunately has passed, uh, was living with depression as well, and your father had stayed in Nigeria. So that was a tough entry to Ireland. It was. I think, you know, with my mum, we'd always had this really difficult relationship. And, you know, in the Bible, it says, especially when a child is being bold and pushing the boundaries, you're supposed to hit them. And that wasn't unheard of in Nigerian culture. So whenever I did, I remember one of the things when I was really young, you know, I didn't want to have, my mum wanted me to have cornflakes instead of Rice Krispies. And I only ever ate Rice Krispies, such a small thing. But she beat me up over that. But my dad would have stepped in when it got too much, right? That was always the thing. When my dad was there, he was there to step in. But when I moved here he was no longer there to step in um, and things just got out of hand and I think she was obvi- obviously she was depressed she was dealing with her own demons but on top of that she was also dealing with fibromyalgia which is a, a, a pain in your muscles so there was a lot of things going on for her and you know I think that the lucky thing is that towards the end of her life when I became a mother myself we actually got closer. There was a new level of understanding and communication that opened up there in terms of us understanding each other. And to give you a bit of context on that, you know, I was in the hospital. I just had my baby and my parents came up to me and my dad is like always on my side. But he came up and he was raging when he saw the bottles because I saw his bottle feed Liam. And he was like, you're breastfeeding that child. You know, he's going to have brain damage because my dad's really old. Like he's very old school. And my mum stood up for me. My mum said, oh, no, things are different now. You need to leave her alone. It's okay." And that had never happened before. So there was a level of empathy that we developed for each other, level of understanding that we developed for each other. And and with the book, I think you see that coming true in terms of how I describe my mum. I'm very honest about the boundaries I was pushing because I don't want people to unfairly judge her like she just hit me for no reason. It was frustration and, and she thought she was doing the right thing. What age is Liam now? Liam is 13 and taller than me. Um, surreal. <laughs> 
Did you get a lot of support here in Ireland, though, when as a teenage mother? Did you find that people were kind and helpful or did you find yourself victim of discrimination? Um, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. So for me, in my care home, I was very, very lucky. I was very cared for and they very much so, I don't know why, um, supported me in terms of staying in school and getting an education and they'd give me like eight hours babysitting, seven to eight hours babysitting a week. So it meant if Liam had had his needles the night before, the day before and he was up all night, I could kind of get a cup, give give him over and get a couple of hours sleep before school. You know, things like that made a huge difference when you're doing your leaving cert and you're exhausted. I meant when I moved out and went to college and I was on my own, I understood how to manage having a baby and studying. But at the same time, I remember I went to this really disadvantaged school. I remember my math teacher pulling me out of class when I was in fifth year and saying to me, not out of malice, it was because I was the only person in my class that I know of that went to university. So not many people went to university from this school. And she sure did not think it was going to be the young person that's in a residential care home who's a single mom that was going to make it there. So she pulled me out of class and had a quiet word and said, I think you should think about doing fourth year because you're probably not going to do your leaving cert because you have a child. So this is what it's, it's, it didn't come from a place of mass. It's just about managing expectations, but that shouldn't have been the case. I was determined I wanted to do it. So that shouldn't have been the conversation that was had. And this is one of the big things I talk about in my book in terms of the big impact that one adult can have in terms that transformational impact they can have in a vulnerable person's life. If I hadn't gone home and told my social care workers what I'd heard and they said, don't mind her, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, just be determined and keep going. I might have thought, well, this person is experienced. This person knows better than me. Maybe I should think about doing fourth year and going and do an LCA and just get a do a nice, short, shorter course so that I, I'll be able to manage with my baby. So it was a bit of a mixed bag. And, and this whole thing with Empower the Family, which is my charity, it's really about creating more role models in communities so that people understand that education is that path to a better life. So, yeah, that's... I get the impression, even just in this short meeting with you, that you're very much dynamic go-getter. So what ambitions would you have? Oh, um, I really love my job, like really, really love my job. And I suppose I'm very, very... um, I'm very lucky that they're supportive of all my other things that I do outside of work as well. So I think it's one day I hope to be a partner in EY, definitely. Um, That would definitely be a dream for me. And yeah, the main thing is that I raise a son that is just incredible, empathetic, kind, everything I I hope he'll be. And he already is that. He's the sort of kid that like his friend broke, broke their leg and he'll like carry their bag all over school for them. So he's a lovely kid and just wanted to stay that way. (laughs) Deborah Somerland, thank you so much for being with us and telling us about your book, Believing in Me. Thank you. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here.